people are divided right now. A lot of people really just want a fair chance at opportunity. And that's what I've seen, seen that unifies every single culture. Hey, welcome back. I am glad you're here. Every month when I look at the number of downloads and number of listens, I'm always grateful and humble that you give me some time to listen to the interviews that I have with leaders across multiple industries, across multiple cultures, you name it. And one thing I set out to do in 2016 is to have as diverse isn't the right word, but I just want different perspectives. I wanted to bring in uh, different topics, different kind of looks at things, uh, dive into different industries, and I, hopefully I've done that. You'd be the judge, but today you're going to meet Tayo Roxon, and he is definitely adds to that idea of having leading matters bring to you some things maybe you haven't considered before in a new light. The gentleman has lived in five countries, four continents, lived in the U.S. for just under 10 years and he is on a mission to help individuals companies teams become more culturally aware and i love i love what he does you know he's got a very I don't know, how can i articulate it he he's not one-sided in other words he's multi-dimensional the way he looks at things and he generally has a deep curiosity for why things happen and why people think the way that they do and he sees that the impact that an individual can have on their own career development, on their community, on their companies, starts with that very idea of being genuinely and honestly curious. So I don't want to take away too much from the interview, so let's jump right into it. Do me a favor, listen to the entire thing, share it, get it out there. I think Tayo's message is one that should be heard, and he's a gentleman that more people should get to know. So sit back and enjoy my discussion with Tyra Roxit. My guest today is an untraditional visionary. He is a storyteller, speaker, and activist who is committed to helping as many as he can become more culturally aware. He is a Nigerian who grew up in five countries and four continents. He's insanely curious and best time learning how to connect effectively across cultures. He writes, produces, and hosts the popular podcast As Told by Nomads and the entertaining YouTube show, Use Your Difference. He is Tayo Roxon, and I am thrilled to have him on the show today. Tayo, thanks so much for joining me today on Leading Matters. Well, thank you so much for having me, Joel. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on. Now, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation. You know, we, uh, we, we come to know each other through our mutual friend, David Ralph, who hosts the mm -hmm. podcast, Join Up Dots. And, and, and after I got to know you a little bit through his interviews with you, I'm really fascinated by your work and your mission. So I want to start right there. So for the benefit of my audience who might be hearing Tayo Roxon for the first time. Fill us in a little bit on your story and what you're currently up to. Sure, sure. So um, as you said earlier on, I, I grew up in five countries and four continents. And the reason that was the case was because my dad is a diplomat. And as a diplomat, um, I'm sure many of you know, you just sort of, you know, you, you move in the periods of, you know, two, three, four years or whatever um, is deemed uh, by your government or the, the, the organization that you're you know, the foreign affairs works for. So I sort of was this minority everywhere I went, essentially, because I was always in between cultures. And out of that, growing in that kind of environment, 
I, you know, I started to get more curious about the world. I started to look at why certain things were the way they were, why this inequality existed, how to really effectively learn how to, to find my place within that world. So, you know, it, it started off as me being, you know, tired of not having friends as a 10-year-old everywhere I moved and me trying to figure out how to, to find my place uh, within that, that construct. And then it became something much bigger because uh, I, then I started getting introduced to, you know, Oprah and Nelson Mandela and I, and I kind of wanted to do that on a, on a bigger level. So that that's, you know, so I just started exploring those type of cultural concepts and creating stories and writing stories and interviewing people to learn more about the world that we live in today. I really am fascinated by your perspective and your work. I enjoy it. And I, I want to kind of dive in even further, like kind of behind the scenes. And, and let me ask you, let me kind of set it up this way. I find today that the nature of, of our personal development, our career development is, is so dramatically different than it was even 10 years ago. And really for leaders of any stripe to tap into what motivates their team is is, is more of a challenge for them as a result of those differences in how we develop our, ourselves and our careers. So with that in mind, and I know it's kind of a long-winded, meandering question here, but but with that context, I, I want to – what was I, – I get the backstory of you traveling around and being a minority no matter where you live because by virtue of just not living there or not being a native of that, that place. So with the, that context in mind, like, is there any single moment uh, that kind of motivated you? you? You mentioned you know Oprah and Mandela, but can you point to any one particular – moment in time or was it just kind of an evolutionary development that led you to do this sort of work well it, it started off as an evolutionary type of development but there was a specific moment when i was 22 um i, I you know i was a year out of college i graduated in, in uh, university in, in, in virginia and i sort of found myself doing work that i hated you know i was in this it was the sales job and I, I sort of settled because, you know, 85 jobs I said no. And I was like, fine, I'm going to take the first job that gives me an offer. But I was driving to, you know, to work on this fateful day. It was a rainy day. And this has been after like six months of me banging my head on the desk thinking, what am I doing? And all, all of a sudden, my car, uh, my car lane gets cut into half. And, and, and I start to lose control. So I, I'm spinning out of control. I hit the left guardrail, then the right guardrail, and then back the left guardrail, and the car lifts up. And I, I'm certain that I'm about to face my death. And then the one thing that I kept telling my 22-year-old self was I, I haven't done anything I said I was actually going to do, uh, which was to try and, and, and impact the world in a global way and make sure that you know we, um, as a society, learned how to communicate effectively across cultures. So that's what I kept saying to myself. But for some reason, I was able to get out of that accident, you know, unscathed. My car got totaled. Um, or don't, I shouldn't have made it, but I did make it. And I took that as a sign for me to actually pursue that work. So I promptly quit my job, uh, moved to New York City, um, you know, with, 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 you know, to pursue an MBA but, and made New York City my, um, my campus, essentially. So I would go to classes maybe like two hours when I was supposed to, and then I would spend the rest of the day interviewing people and creating my website and, and understanding the different cultures in New York City, but also creating a platform for that. It started up as a social experiment with the podcast, as told by Nomads, and then that started to take off really, really well because people started to say, that's a different perspective, I didn't understand that, that's a different way of seeing the world. And then it just sort of took on a life of its own because I was just conducting an experiment, 
and the podcast became more speaking engagements and more consulting. And then I started to find my voice more and more as I started to do that. But um, it wouldn't have happened if I didn't have that accident. Huh. No, look, I'm glad I asked the question because I think, uh, <laughs> well, you know, because I, what I find when people that are, are in the kind of line of work you're in or that have stepped out to experiment in your way and it's actually turned into um, a, a source of revenue and a business for them is that they're, it, it almost, it's uncanny. It almost seems like even though there's lots of plenty of thoughts, there's always some kind of one motivating event. So I'm curious to hear that story. Um, but let me ask you this question about, I, I caught a recent video you did about, um, you're explaining the power distance index. And I found it, what I found intriguing about it is that I, my personal opinion and my own experience is that even though we're a more globalized economy today, the cultural differences seem to get more and more segmented rather than more kind of understood. Can you explain the idea of the, the power uh, index, the power distance index a little bit, and then the impact that you think that, do you agree that, that, that cultures are kind of getting isolated rather than kind of coalescing? Oh, I guess I will completely agree with that. I think, I think the world has become more global than people have actually become. You know, I think with, with uh, globalization, you have mass migration, you, you have um, all these things, but people haven't been equipped to deal with with what comes with that, that, you know, whether it's new people in your country or what is the nuances that you have to deal with. And uh, that that's part of, that's exactly why I actually, not, not part of, that's a big part of why I'm doing what I'm doing is because I think you face a dangerous situation where you're not taking advantage of the the, the benefits that, you know, um, that you can get from being in a global environment if you don't understand the people that you deal with. So I do think we increasingly get segmented. I think the recent events, I think 2016, frankly, has been uh, uh, personification of that, starting with Brexit to to what, you know, the, the elections show that the Americans split down the middle and how they think about things through Syria, through all the anti-immigration sentiment across the world, through um you know, in my country, Nigeria, there is so much division and people are increasingly going towards their side versus other people's side. So, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, yeah, let, let's stick with that for a second here because I agree, you know, the uh, all the political you know reaction to the environment in which we're living in. Um, do you think – so let's, let's think about the, the – let's look at America, right? The the impact that globalization has on sectors of the economy and the workforce that are negatively impacted by the by the speed with which globalization happens, right? Yeah. You know, if I'm a manufacturing worker or a blue collar worker in the Rust Belt somewhere in the U.S., I mean, how do I like? What's the right? Because surely it's more nuanced and detailed and complex, right? Exactly. Right. Yeah. So so how, so what is the answer there? I mean, if it doesn't, if they feel they wake up in the morning, it doesn't really matter to them, but certainly it's impacting their life. I mean. You know, that's a tricky equation. I mean, what do you say when, when you're faced with that kind of uh, puzzle? I, I think a lot of people have lost the art of asking questions. I, it's really okay to not know something about another person's culture, but I, I think what happens today a lot of, is that a lot of people make assumptions. You know, in that scenario, you'd say, well, someone can say, well, Mexicans are all this. All they do is they send their worst, but you don't actually know if you don't talk to them. There, there are many situations where I go and – I, you know, I simply, you know, like with a lot of the um, people that I work with here from uh, whenever I'm in my co-working space, I, I just ask questions. I ask them, hey, how was your day? How was your weekend? What did you do? And you pick on different things. I, I went home to my family. Where is home for you? How is home? How did you come here? And that art of finding conversation that people don't seem to want to, to have today, you just find out more about the person. And that informs your bias, actually corrects your bias, actually. 
because you then get to see that there are real people and you don't get you don't let the media shape your opinion of a whole group of people and you start to see people as more than their jobs but um you know the that's that honestly i think if you're dealing with nuances it's it's you have to do the work and i don't know that a lot of people are willing to do that whether it's they're motivated by fear or they already feel like they know what they need to know do you find it ironic that that's the case even though you know, the way media flows today is so much more open and, and, and multi-directional? I, it's, I think everything that's happening today is ironic. I also think media plays a big role into this, though. I think media is um, in a negative way as well. I, I'm a big media proponent. I, you know, as All I do is media. But I think media hasn't done enough to, to help shape certain stereotypes. You know, I think sometimes they, they tend to perpetuate stereotypes, whether it's, you know, the way the media is constructed in America is you, you have liberal and conservative and it's almost like there's almost nothing in between. So what people are going to gravitate towards what they already think, and it's going to be a caricature of whatever that side is. And then you tend to hear the rhetorics that, that are perpetuated from that side, and then you just feel like, yeah, see, she said it, he said it, she said yeah, it. Yeah. And, in, and instead of actually finding a way to say, oh, that's interesting, from the other side, I wouldn't have seen that way. Maybe I understand your perspective. You don't understand what's going on. And it's just like... Um, I'm never going to listen to you. You're never going to listen to me. You guys are horrible. You girls are horrible. That's it. And, uh, you know, I, I think if media is to play a role into that, it's to just tell the stories mm. as they as they are and let the people form their opinion. That's a harder thing to do uh, because of the political climate and the cultural climate we live in today. But I think it's the only way that you can actually have more informed conversations, even have agreeable disagreements. But, you know. No, you, no I, I like the way you've said it. I, I, I kind of feel like it's the bud, buzz feedification of the way we consume, right? And I, so I guess in that context, given all the clickbaiting stories and the way Facebook serves up to you just what you want to read rather than maybe exactly. perspectives. I mean, yeah. where, how, where do you find, again, this is a headier question, right? But do you think that there's complicity from the media and they have a greater responsibility to to do more of a ethical job of how they're serving up information i think so but you know the buzzification like you said it, it's created this environment where people are trying to create titles or, or subject lines that causes people to click and then you lose the essence of what news is you know i, I think if you're buzzfeed if you are now this and you know you have a certain audience so you can sort of dictate what kind of stuff is being told you know, I've liked I've liked some of the the new stuff that's come out about the Native uh, Americans in the North Dakota pipeline issue, where you, you've seen some of the the lesser known news publications actually go out and tell some stories. Um, I think that's using your influence for good in that way, because then you're informing people on, hey, this is what's happening in protests. You might not have heard about it because some certain news haven't covered that. So I, I think there's a certain responsibility as a news organization, as a media organization, for you to actually inform. Um, and, you know, inform first rather than entertain. Sometimes entertainment is great, but I think informing in, in times like this is probably more important because people, a lot of people don't know how to form their opinions or what they actually think. They only know what they're being told. And when, when they've heard what they should think like, they just sort of inculcate that into their mindsets and it becomes this cycle of things. And then you have like six months or something or an election and people ask, wait, why do you believe what you believe again? And it's never really anything of substance. This is because they've just heard that drum down their heads a few times. 
do you see your work? I mean, as far as you looking out in the future to be, because you know, you're a young man, you're 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 at this in the early part of your career, right? Do you see the direction of your work heading where maybe you could make that sort of impact on the way media flows? I certainly hope so. I, I what I want to do is inspire people to be more curious and to seek out the truth, right? I want people to 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 say, well, you know, that's interesting. I want to investigate more. Uh, I think. When we get to that point where we are doing it ourselves and, and we are looking and listening to all these news sites, which is great. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with listening to news. I listen to a lot of news. But we are using our curiosity to direct our own opinions. I think we then have a better chance of having um, a better generation of leaders. You know, my ultimate goal is to inspire the next set of leaders. But I want us, I always say culturally aware because I want us to actually know what's going on. I want us to understand why it's, it's not okay to just generalize and say a whole group of people are rapists, but maybe... Okay, we'll find out why people think that way. Mm. And then we'll see if we can correct it. Maybe we can, maybe if it's, you know, maybe this is how a lot of people in America think that way. Maybe we can do better and tell the right stories. Or, you know, I don't know, any other thing with whether it's misogyny or what what happens with uh, brutality, understand the cop side, understand the, the, the other side. That way we are not quick to make decisions out of fear, which causes more problems down the line. You know, a question I, I ask when I have like business leaders on of, of larger businesses, I always ask them about the way that they consider diversity. And, you know, and the, when I have people on the show, I'm always looking for companies that seemingly from the outside in look like they're doing something a little bit different, right? And what I've found is that they all talk about diversity not as like a regulatory necessity or the right, hey, it's the politically right way to look at things. What they all, what leaders tell me is that diversity is a is a valuable asset because what it does for our company is it brings in the different perspectives and again not from a political narrative way but just from the way people have lived their lives and developed their skills and 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 that and what they find is that it has a greater impact on on the mission at hand of what the company's trying to do i mean let me ask you about that do you think that have you found that with some of the people that you've come across that that they've broken through the noise of diversity as like a politically correct thing to actually mine the true benefit, you know, tangible value to who we are as individuals and as, as companies? No, I mean, I've certainly found a lot of people doing that. You know, I think the thing that's happened with diversity and inclusion in recent times has been a lot of people have used it as a line item. You know, this is just kind of, I'm just going to do, check the box with that. But in recent times, I've seen more people actually embrace the idea of what the benefit actually is. I mean, if you think about it from a, from a general perspective, without even being political, it doesn't make sense to wipe out a whole set of talent, you know, whether it's women or whether it's um, Hispanics or just black people. Why are you wiping out a whole, a whole talent pool? I mean, they, why don't you want to widen that to see what that could do? And, and having a diverse mindset and people um, that from different backgrounds in, invariably affects how you you think about the world and very affects how you approach business problems and solutions. It also in, informs how you you um, check your own um, your biases. You could learn more about the other people. So I'm enjoying the, the the recent move towards that. I do think there still needs to be a lot of work um, in that area. I, I think it, it's easy to to think that it's happening in the metropolitan areas like New York, um, London, you know, California, L.A., all that. But I think in, in a lot of you know, whether it's middle America or a lot of, um, you know, you know, suburban areas, there still needs to be a lot of that because I still get, I go into these areas and I still get asked interesting questions uh, because people actually don't know. And it's not even like a, from a, it's not even from an, um, 
malicious point of view. It's more from an ignorant point of view. And, um, you know, I, and, and, and that's just something that, you know, we'll work towards. But I, I like the direction, but there still needs to be a lot of work done. Mm, sure. No, I, I, I can appreciate that. I mean, how long have you been in the United States, uh, Tyler? I don't think I know that. Since 2007. 2007. 2007. Yeah. So g- given that, look, you're here just under a decade, uh, you obviously yeah. have a lot more global experience than, than maybe most of the people that might be listening right now. Uh, what, I'm curious, do you see the United States as more of a, a salad bowl or a mixing bowl? <laughs> oh, man. It's a, wow, salad bowl or mixing bowl. That's, that's a good analogy. I don't know. I, I think, I think it, it's, it has the potential to be more of a melting pot. Obviously, America is, is the place where a lot of people come because of the idea that you can you know, make anything out of yourself. Um, I think in, in a lot of cases, it is a, a mixing bowl. I think there, there are a lot of people um, that are from different backgrounds uh, that, that live in America, but there are also a lot of people that tend to stay in their own area, whether it's, you know, you know, Little Italy or Chinatown or, um, you know, stay in Washington Heights, you know, it's, it's a big Dominican Republic area. So I think a lot of people do live in silos. Um, and that's not what I initially thought. When I first came, I thought everybody sort of mixed and they just hung around. But I think in the majority of America, um, there are silos within the diversity, if that makes any sense. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting paradox where there's diversity and it, it, it is evident um, in, in many areas. But in the larger scale, there's still many people that are separate that tend to stay in their own areas. Do you think there's again, especially as, as someone that's been here just under 10 years, do you think there's unifying cultural, like a, a truly American values that people can coalesce around no matter which, you know, where they're coming from? And let me put it to you this way. You know, my, I'm an Italian, Amer- Italian-American. My grandparents were the um, immigrants. And my dad tells a story of his grandmother, like actually smacking him on the backside if he ever spoke Italian because she didn't want her children to you know, not be American, you know. Uh, <laughs> now, of course, this was you know, back in the uh, '30s and '40s, right when he grew up. Uh, right. But I'm curious. Today, it seems like we like our labels a lot. So, as an outsider coming in, do you did you did, did the idea of America change for you when you became someone that lived here? Uh, I mean, I, I think I was I was mildly. I had gone to an American in, um, international school in middle school, so I was aware of kind of. Although the, the interesting thing for me was when I first came here, I knew instantly that I was grouped as an African-American because, like you said, a lot of labels. And it was it was interesting when I had to convince them, like, well, I'm African. I don't know I'm African-American because I'm not a citizen. But um, a, lot, a lot of people just said, no, 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 you are, you are. So I, I labels are very important um, that I started to see. That. And even when I'm filling out stuff, sometimes there wouldn't be a box that I can certainly fit in my category. So I'll just put African-American. But um. Uh, labels, it, I don't want to say my opinion changed. I just became hyper aware of the idea of of identity being a big, big, big deal um, in America and knowing where you, where you fit it within your identity um, and that. So, you know, I, I've become more aware of certain different terms, like the difference between Hispanics and Latinos and Latinx, um, what, you know, the Africans versus African Americans and what Africans diaspora thinks versus that, what's... Um, considered Hispanic white, what's considered, you know, the Afro, you know, Afro-Hispanic. I mean, there's so many labels. Uh, but I think at the core, the unifying thing is a lot of Americans just, you know, they they are 
try and find truth, justice in the in the American way, like uh, Superman, uh, the comic book of Transpires. And I think that's the unifying thing. I think even if people are divided right now, a lot of people really just want a fair chance at opportunity. And that's what I've seen, seen that unifies every single culture here. Mm, I like that. No, I like that. It's good. Good response. What What about the responsibility that we have as individuals, where, especially where cultural awareness is concerned? So in other words, as an individual, when we're working with others, you talked about being curious and asking questions. But what other tangible things must an individual do to become, hey, listen, I am going to be a little bit more culturally mindful? Um. I think we, we need to understand that there's uh, there's more than just my way versus your way, right? There's uh, everybody has a, a different story, so we need to take the the um, minds and approach the mindset where we say, okay, I, I get that you come from there, I want to learn from yours. So we need to be curious, like you said, ask questions, be as uh, surround yourself with people that are drastically different from you. Um, I, I think this is really important because it gives you insight into the lives of other cultures. I, I mean, Mandela, when he um, when he first got out of prison after 27 years, he surrounded his cabinet with people that looked very much, very different from him. You know, he had some people from the white minority, he had people from different tribes, and that was to have an open mind to solve the problems. I think we need to do a lot of education ourselves. I think that's um, it's it's probably one of the most powerful weapons in the world, and I think a lot of us, if we don't have a question, if we don't have the answer, we should go read about it. You know, read about what it is about Black Lives Matter. That, that, that why is that such a big deal? Read about why, you know, um, you know, Middle America thinks that you know they've been forgotten for the last few years. Read about how the the movement of feminism has changed. And I think we need to educate ourselves, whether it's YouTube or you know, whatever we need, whatever our our form of reading is. And I think we need to start using love as a tool to enhance other people's lives. I mean, I think we need to approach things in a more positive way instead of saying, ah, man, they look different from us, so they must be bad. So, you know, the mistakes a lot of leaders make today is, is to rule based on perceived notions that they have of other people's backgrounds without actually knowing it to be true or not. So, yeah, so that's what I'll say. Use love, be flexible, and educate yourselves. That's good. Look, I like that as well. And I'm reminded I had Christine Comerford on my show. She wrote a book called Smart Tribes a little while back, and she talks about this idea of fear pushes people where vision pulls people along exactly yeah so do you think and i kind of hear that same sentiment in your answer there do you think that uh, look i'll stack the deck i think fear is easier right it's easier to to tap into that than it is to be a visionary i mean do you agree with that number one and if uh, if you do like how do we break out of using the easy way out through fear to be a little bit more visionary in our day-to-day um you break out by being comfortable being uncomfortable because, like you said, fear is much easier. It, it's, it's so easy to wrap up fear-mongering. That's why dictators come into power. They give a face to what you, you collectively fear and say, hey, those are the bad people. That's the bad area. Go against them. I will help you eliminate them. And then you get inculcated into that. And you're like, wow, we are actually buying a leader that's going to you know, uh, wipe out our, all our problems, which is very, very false. So I, I think... Um, being a visionary is much harder because it, it oftentimes you're on an island. You know, I, my mission statement is use your difference to make a difference because it's emphasizing that point that you are different. And in order to make a difference, you have to use that difference to make a difference. And it's you know a lot of the greats were never weren't recognized during their time. You know, Muhammad Ali, what he lost out to on to, uh, three of his prime years because he, you know, fought for what he believed in, and then it was it was highly unpopular. It was only later. 
that it became seen, he started to be seen more as a symbol. But then I can't imagine that, uh, you know, it must have been an easy time for him. And this happens across all, you know, areas. So I think it's so e it's, it's much easier to actually use fear and then group people because, you know, a lot of people, you can find a lot of people around that area and rally people around there because fear mongering is, you know, it's an easy thing to do and everyone wants to blame someone. So, um, yeah, we just have to get comfortable being uncomfortable, uh, get comfortable seeing what the bigger picture is and understand that we're creating an environment for our, our future generations, our kids, our brothers. And if we don't want our brothers, sisters, sons and daughters to live in an environment that um, that's very, very, very hectic, we have to do the hard work and be willing to stand up for what is right. Very good. I love it. I think I'm going to actually leave it right there because it's a great way to kind of wrap up our discussion and, and what you're all about. So, Taya, for my audience that has just discovered you today, where can they learn more about you and what you've got going on? Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Joel. Um, great questions. Uh, very, very thoughtful questions. So I, pre I appreciate that. And uh, you can learn about me, everything, uh, at my website, tyroxon.com. And um, uh, my podcast is As Told by Nomads or on YouTube, Use Your Difference. But everything is usually on my website, at tyroxon.com. Very good. I will link that up for my audience to check you out. And I would really encourage you. You know, I, I've, uh, like I said, I, I come to know Tyo through a mutual friend of ours, uh, David Ralph, and I've uh, connected with him on Facebook. And I just love, I love what he, what he puts out there. It's not, uh, it's not normally what you see in your news feed every day so i'd encourage you to check him out listen to his podcast learn more about him and use your difference as your difference as he to make a difference as he likes to say so tyo thank you so much for being on today let's keep in touch and keep up the great work thank you so much joel uh great 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 time being on your show so keep doing what you do and uh look forward to seeing you on the other side